Hey everyone, welcome to the Tulia Christian Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to give online, see upcoming events, or view our service times, please visit our website at tcf.church. Amen. Welcome to Palm Sunday, the beginning of the most important week in human history. Let me say it again. The beginning of the most important week of human history. Jesus rides into Jerusalem today, this morning, 2,000 years ago, on a lowly donkey, just like he said in the video. He goes in as a humble king. Then as the week moves forward, Thursday, he has his last meal with the disciples, the men who are closest to him. They go out into the garden to pray. Friday, he's nailed to the cross at 9 o'clock in the morning and remains on that cross until dead at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then we know he's put in a borrowed tomb. He pays for my sin and your sin. And the glory of Sunday morning is he defeats death, hell, and the grave. Now, Jesus knows it's his last week to live. Now, let me explain something to you. We know Jesus dies on the cross. We know three days later he's raised from the dead. The Bible says in the New Testament that he spends 40 days on the earth after his resurrection. Then the Bible says he ascends into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And it says that he ever lives to make intercession for you and I. And he has a present day ministry. But in his earthly body, before his resurrection, he knows he has one week to live. He has one week to finish what God's called him to do. He also knows that on Thursday evening, he's going to have one last meal with his closest friends. They were not the only ones there. There were others that, are, that were there, but he's going to have one last meal. Now, here's the first thought I'd like to interject into your heart if I could. How would your life be this week if you knew it was your last week to live? Now, I don't mean that in a morbid way. I don't mean it in a, in, a, in a sad way or a weird way, but just if you knew, okay? The Bible says for us to, to ask God to number our days. In other words, that every day matters, everything going in our life matters. So if it was the last week of your life, Jesus knew it was the last week of his life, then Thursday he has his last meal. Now, just imagine with me this morning that you know you have a week left to live and you know Thursday night you're going to gather with your family, you're going to gather with your friends and you're going to have one last meal together. Here's my question this morning. What would your conversation be about? What would you talk about? Or maybe even what would you do this last week? Would there be maybe some phone calls you would need to make or maybe some conversations you would want to have or you would need to have? Now, I'm, I'm not advocating living life with a death wish. I'm, I'm not saying that. We're not supposed to live like that. You're not supposed to get up every day with that morbid thing hanging over you that today maybe it's my last day. But what I think we are supposed to do is we're supposed to live each and every day with Christ as the center of our life. My hope for you this morning would be if you knew it was your last week, if you knew Thursday was your last day, maybe you wouldn't live any different than you've been living. Maybe you'd keep being a light in a dark world just like you have been. 
You know, my father died February 2nd, 1974, and the last week of his life was ordinary. And what I mean by that is he didn't know he was going to die. The day of his death, February 2nd, he didn't know that that was the day he was going to go home to be with Jesus. Uh, He went to work, and it was a normal day. You know, I've got a calendar. It's on my iPad right here with my Bible, and I have a lot of things penciled in. I was visiting with somebody this week, and they were remarking, and I know you would too, at how busy we all are. Listen, I'm so grateful that on Palm Sunday, you took time with your friends and your family to come to the house of God and to worship on Palm Sunday, beginning the most important week. Because I know every single person in this room is super busy and has things going on. But I bet nobody has penciled in on their calendar, hey, Wednesday, I'm going to die. Yeah, nobody, nobody has that on their calendar, right? Uh, I don't know if Jesus had a calendar, but he knew on Friday that he was going to die. And so here's what's about to happen. Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem. Now, here's what I need you to understand about Jerusalem. Jerusalem belongs to Jesus. It's his city. It's his capital city. And he is the king of Jerusalem. Listen, when Jesus returns for the church, when he sets up his kingdom, the Bible says in the gospels that when he sits upon his glorious throne and all things are restored and renewed, Jesus is going to rule and reign in Jerusalem. Now, I personally think he probably should rule somewhere from Texas, don't you? But maybe he'll spend some time in Texas, amen? But probably uh, that won't happen. He's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that he sends the disciples to go get a donkey. But before that happens, something amazing has already happened. And the amazing thing that's already happened is just a few days before he does that, he goes to the graveyard and he raises a guy from the dead who's been in the tomb for four days. His name is Lazarus. And when he gets there, he's been buried for four days. Now, not buried like you and I think buried in the ground. He was in a cave or a tomb with a stone rolled over it. And Jesus told him to move the stone. And uh, Lazarus' sister said, Lord, we better not do that. He's been dead four days and he stinks. His, his body was already decomposing, but we know the story. And if you know the story, he said, no, go ahead and roll it away. And then he told one of Lazarus' sisters, he said, do you believe I can do this? And she said, I know you're the Messiah and I know God will do whatever you ask him to do. And then here's what he said. He said, I'm the resurrection. And she says this, I know my brother will be raised on the last day. Now, it's very important that you don't let that just slip by. I believe that, and I know that you believe that. And Martha and Mary believed it 2,000 years ago. Listen, on the last day, you and I will be resurrected. There will be a physical resurrection. You see, your loved ones who've died in Christ, we put their bodies in the ground, but their eternal spirits went to heaven. You see, my brother's in heaven this morning with Jesus. My father's in heaven this morning with Jesus. My mother is in heaven this morning with Jesus. You and I are here, but they are there. The Bible says if you're absent from your body, you're present with the Lord. And then it says if you're still in your body, you're not there yet. But there's going to come a day, see, when Jesus is going to come back. And when he comes back, he's going to bring my brother. He's going to bring my mom and dad. He's going to bring my grandparents. He's going to bring your grandparents. He's going to bring your loved ones, your family, maybe your baby or your child. He's going to bring them with him. 
And the Bible says that the graves are going to give up those bodies. And it says, we'll see Jesus. We'll see him. Every eye will behold him. And we'll be like him. And you and I will have a glorified, don't you love that word? Glorified. You know, those bodies you see from Hollywood. You know, now I'm not saying they're glorified by any means, but I'm going to have a glorified body. What do you mean? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll have a glorified six pack. I don't know. Right? I mean, I'm going to be glorified. You'll be glorified. You'll have a glorified resurrected body. Now, if you're young, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, right, brother? You don't have a clue. You already got it. Right? He's already got it right here. What did you say about this? this is my money maker? I mean, yeah, we won't even talk about that, right? If I had to make money with this, I'd be a broke man. Amen? Amen. So there's hope for me because of the resurrection. There's hope for you because of the resurrection. Listen, you have a promise, and the promise is the resurrection. And here's what Jesus told Mary. He told Martha, he said, she, can I do this? She, she said, you can. My brother will be raised on the last day. And then here's what he said. He said, no, no. He said, resurrection's not an event. Resurrection's a person. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. Do you remember when Jesus met with the disciples and he was telling them that he was going to go in John 14, he says, I'm going to go prepare a place for you that where you, where I am, you may be also. I don't know about you, but I think that's the greatest promise of heaven there is. Jesus said, where he is, you'll be also. And you remember he told them, he said, hey, I'm going to go and you guys know the way. And you know, Thomas says, whoa, 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 excuse me. I don't know the way. You're talking about a kingdom in another dimension, and somehow you think I have the map, right? And here's what Jesus said. He said, hey, I'm, I'm the way. Now, here's the promise. The promise is if you'll stick close to Jesus, you'll end up where he is. If you'll stick close, you'll end up where he is. And he told Lazarus' sisters, I'm the resurrection. Now, now why does that matter, Pastor? Now, it's great preaching. Don't get me wrong. If you can't preach that, something's wrong. That's good preaching. But here's the truth. Every one of you in this room, including me, have dead places in your life. Oh, you're physically not dead yet, although C.S. Lewis called this life the Shadowlands. But everybody's got dead places. I know people that have marriages that are dead you do too. I know people that have relationships with their kids that because of time and circumstances, they're dead. I know people who've given up on God. I know people who have. And their relationship with God for all intents and purposes is dead. Now, I could continue the list on for 10 more minutes, but here's what I'd like you to see as we move into this story this morning. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection. So anywhere you got death in your life, Jesus wants to bring life, and he wants to bring the resurrection power. The New Testament says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And then the second part of that says, and the fellowship of his suffering. I bet there's not a person in this room as I scan across that hasn't suffered in some ways. I know many of you have suffered terribly in different ways. Many of you this morning are suffering. It was a suffer to get here this morning. Many of you have physical pain right now this morning as you're seated in your chair. And the first thing I'd like to encourage you in is Jesus is saying, I'm the resurrection. I'm what you need. And if you'll say yes to me, 
Lord brings life into those places that are dead, he will. Now, let's read the story. I'm going to start this morning in John 12, and I'm going to start with uh, John 12, verse 1. I'm going to read. I'm going to read the Word of God, and it's worth listening to, and then just let me talk about it as I go. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Now, Bethany is just a couple of miles outside of Jerusalem, where Lazarus was who'd been dead, whom he'd raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Stop right there. Uh, that just says that Jesus had dinner with a dead man. Oh, now, he's not dead anymore, but he was dead. Now, think about it. Do you know anybody that's had dinner with a dead man? No, I don't think you do. I certainly don't know anybody. Can you imagine what that meal must have been like? Would you have had some questions? I would have had, right? I mean, if you could have dinner with Jesus, I know if you could have dinner with Jesus, and you will have dinner with Jesus, by the way. But if you could right now, I would have some questions, and I know you would too. But I can't imagine what it's like to eat with a guy who's been four days dead in the grave, and he stunk, and they raised him from the dead. You know, I was watching TV yesterday afternoon, just flipping channels, and that movie, The Mummy, was on. And that, that movie's from 1999. That's how old I am. When, the first time I saw that movie, I had hair, okay? I'm... I'm talking about the new mummy, right? Okay, all right. And you know, when Lazarus came out of the grave, that's what he looked like. The Jews wrapped him in, you know, he's, he came out like this. Because Jesus said, it says, he said, loose him, right? That meant get those wrappings off of him. Well, they're having dinner with a guy who was wrapped in grave clothes. And I can't imagine what that meal must have been like. To have, Can you imagine being with a family member that was already at the cemetery and uh, somebody raised them from the dead and a few days later you're having dinner with them? Now, I really want you to bite onto that. That's a crazy deal. Now, let me keep reading. It says they're having dinner and it says Mary, who was his sister, took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Now stop right there. Do you realize what an intimate act that was? Now, what this was was perfume, but it was more than just perfume. It was uh, anointing oil, and it says it was very costly. So just, I don't know, let's just play. Let's just imagine, you know, imagine going to Dillard's and, or someplace fancy and buying a $1,000 bottle of perfume or a $1,000 bottle of some kind of bath oil. And it, and it says that she took that, and she got down, and she poured it on his feet. Then she leaned down with her hair. Now, I'd have to lean way down. Down, right? Yeah, I'd have to lean way down. It would just tickle more than anything, right? But she leaned down with her hair and she took her hair and she rubbed his feet with her hair. Now, think how intimate that is. Think how she's humbling herself. Think how she's worshiping. And it kind of bugs the guys in the room. It really bugs Judas. Listen to what it says. It says, but Judas, one of the disciples, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used it to take what was put in it. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus rebukes him. You know what he says? He says, shut up and leave her alone. Shut up. 
while she's anointing his feet and rubbing it with her hair, he says, let her alone. She's kept this for the day of my burial for the poor you have with you always, but me, you do not have always. Now, a great many of the Jews knew that he was there and they came not just for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus. They want to see a dead guy. You know, have y'all ever been, I love the fair. I've been going to the fair in Emerald since I was a kid and I love fairs. I've been to the state fair and way back when I was a kid, you know, you'd go to the fair and they would have the freak shows. You remember they'd have the pygmy from dark Africa and they'd have the snake boy and y'all remember that anybody? And And none of it was true, but you had to drop a dollar to go in there and see it. And you'd always be disappointed because the snake boy didn't really look like a snake and the lizard boy kind of was painted up, right? But, but there were those freak shows. Okay. Everybody's going to Jerusalem, hoping to get a glimpse of a guy that was dead. That's what it says right here. Uh, Listen to it. It says, they hoped to see Lazarus, whom had been raised from the dead. But the chief priests, I love this, the religious leaders plotted to put Lazarus to death because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Now, they're not impressed with Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead because they're jealous because Jesus is taking followers away from them and they're following Jesus because he raised Lazarus. And these guys are plotting to not only kill Jesus, of course, but they also want to kill Lazarus. I don't know about you, but I cannot imagine somebody raised from the dead for four days. And all I'm thinking about is how I want to kill them again because uh, they're messing up my deal. Okay, but that's exactly what happens. Now, listen, let me keep reading. It says, the next day, a great multitude came to the feast, talking about the Passover, when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem is Jesus' capital city. And they took branches of palm trees, and they went out to meet him, and they cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written. Now, stop right there. There's a couple of things I want you to see about this amazing story. Now, remember, this is the beginning of the most important week in human history. It's the beginning of the most important week, of course, in Christianity. And Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. The crowds are swelling. It's Passover. It's a lot like Christmas. It's a lot like Easter. People are pouring into town. People are hanging out with family. Hey, they're hoping they'll get to see Jesus. They're certainly hoping they'll get to see the guy that used to be dead that's been raised from the dead. Hey, maybe I'll get a chance to ask him what the afterlife was like. Who, who knows? And so they're all in the streets. Jesus tells the boys, hey, would you go get me a, a donkey? Now, something I want you to understand about this, there was a mother, a female donkey, and then there was a young colt. The colt, of course, belongs to, to the mother. He does not ride the older donkey. He rides the colt, and the colt is green. The colt has never been ridden. It's not broke. Okay, now, in my world, that's a recipe for a rodeo, right? I, I, mean, I mean, nobody gets on a, a young horse or a young donkey that's never been ridden before. But do you remember when one of the disciples came to Jesus and they said, hey, we got to pay taxes. And he said, hey, go fishing. And when he pulled a fish in, it had a coin in its mouth. Well, that didn't happen accidentally. It happened because Jesus instructed that fish to go find a coin in the water and to swallow it. Uh, You remember when he calmed the winds and the waves? And the disciples, what did they say? They said, even the wind and the waves obey him. 
So when they laid their coats on that young colt and he slipped up on that donkey, that donkey knew this is the king of kings. This is my creator. And he allowed him to ride him. And then he starts a two-mile journey and he rides in through the gate of Jerusalem as a king. Now, don't miss this, a humble king. Now, Jesus is coming back and he's coming on a white stallion. And the Bible says that he'll have written on his thigh, his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he'll have on a a cloak, uh, a covering that's been dipped in blood. And the Bible says out of his mouth will come a two-edged sword. He is coming back as a conquering king. But he doesn't ride into Jerusalem that day as a conquering king. He rides into Jerusalem on purpose as a humble king, as a servant, as an example for us. And it says that he not only submitted to death, but to the death of the cross. I've said it before, but could I just say it again? Jesus was not murdered. Jesus was not murdered. He said, no one takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down as a sacrifice for you and for I. So he gets on that donkey, and as he starts in, he's in a parade. He's in his own parade. Now, here's what I want you to see. He does it this way on purpose, very purposely. It's not an accident. Listen, this is very Romanesque. You know what the Romans would do? The Romans would conquer other people and other nations, and then they would have parades. And the generals would be in their chariots with their beautiful stallions. And they would prance into the city as people lined the streets. And behind the generals and in front of the soldiers would be those that had been conquered. And a lot of times they would be tied up. But they would come in as conquered slaves with their heads down. And there was a processional. It was very Romanesque. Parades are very Roman. Now here's what's interesting. I didn't say this in the early service. So you get a bonus. Okay, you get a bonus. There's going to be two parades. There's going to be a parade in heaven and there's going to be a parade in hell. The Bible says in the New Testament that Jesus will lead us in triumph. Now, I've already said I love parades and I do. And I don't know which is more fun, to be in a parade or to watch a parade. I love to do both, right? It's fun to be in a parade. And then when you get to the end, you jump off, you run halfway back, you sit down and you watch the rest of it. Okay, in heaven, there'll be a parade, and you and I will be in it. And Jesus will lead us in triumph, and you and I will shout the praises of God just like they do when Jesus rides in. There's also going to be a parade in hell, and the devil will lead that parade, and it'll be a parade of fools. It'll be a parade of the brokenhearted. It'll be a parade of those who didn't want the love of God. And I'm thankful because of the love and the grace of God. That's not us. And I believe it's nobody we love. But we'll be in the right parade. Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And it says that when he rode in, they shouted, Hosanna. You know what that means? Lord, save us. Hosanna, they shouted, Hosanna. It's kind of an impromptu parade. They start pulling off their coats and laying their coats out on the road. And they run and cut palm branches and lay them down. You know what that is? Well, that's a sign of royalty. It's for kings. They did it for the Romans too. And they cover the road with their clothes and with palm branches as King Jesus rides in. Now, 
all through the New Testament, anytime Jesus did anything, he would always tell them, don't go make a big deal out of it. Just be quiet. But this one time, he lets them shout, Hosanna, King of Kings. And, and one of the religious leaders says, hey, who are all these people saying you're the son of God? And he says something really powerful. He says, if they don't shout, the rocks will. If they don't shout Hosanna, nature is going to shout Hosanna. So they lay out their coats, they lay out the palm branches, and as a humble servant, don't miss this, as a humble king who came to die for you and for me, he does it on purpose. He does it on purpose. I think one of the hardest challenges we face sometimes is humility. Don't you think it's true? It's hard sometimes to be humble. I mean, and, and, and I'm, I'm for family pride. Don't get me wrong, I have it. I love my family. I love my family name. I was taught that my whole life, right? Blood's thicker than water. You fight one of us, you fight all of us. I was raised that way. I mean, I got whippings to instill it in my heart and my soul, right? I've talked about it, right? My brother's at a fight, and when I got home, I got a whipping because I didn't help. I mean, I was taught that but you can carry that too far. You know what I'm saying? You can carry pride too far. I'm not talking about healthy self-esteem. I'm not having healthy value for your family. Jesus humbles himself. You know why he does? Because he knows who he is. Can I just ask you a question this morning? Do you know who you are? If you're wondering who you are, there's this great book called the Bible. And if you'll go to it and spend some time reading it, you'll find out who you are. You'll find out who your father is. Listen, when you discover who God is, you'll discover who you are. And I've said it many times, the Bible is filled with promises that belong to you. The promises of God in the Bible are yes and amen in Jesus. Jesus knew he was a king. He knew he's gonna come back on a white horse. And because he knew that, he was able to be a humble king. He's able to allow himself to be sacrificed for us. Can I just encourage you this morning? Take some time and find out who you are. Then here's the next thing that happens. I, not Isaiah, excuse me. Zechariah is quoted. Listen to it. It says in the next verse, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. Yeah, I bet. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered these things were written about him, and they had done these things to him. Now, let me just grab, throw this at you and give it to you, and then we'll wrap it up. That is a prophecy from the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah, and it's 500 years old. Now, not 50 years old, not five years old, 500 years old. All right, somebody wrote down something that Jesus was going to do 500 years before he did it, and it came true. Jesus said he's coming back, and just like this happened, that will happen. And we'll look back and we'll remember that we believe that it was going to happen. I think it's amazing that somebody said something about Jesus of Nazareth 500 years before it happened, and it came to pass. To me, it's just one more proof that it's, that it's who he says he is. Then the Bible goes on in this story, and it says that Jesus goes into the temple and he drives out the money changers. And the week of Holy Week begins. Thursday night, he has the Last Supper with his disciples, with his closest friends. 
Friday morning. The trial is Thursday night. Friday morning at 9 o'clock, he's nailed on the cross. He stays on the cross for six hours from 9 until 3, and he gives up the ghost at 3 o'clock. He's taken down off the cross. He's put in a borrowed tomb. And then, of course, thank God on Sunday morning, which we'll celebrate next week, he's raised from the dead. Can I just encourage you this morning? Listen, you're loved. Jesus gave his life for you. He cares about you. He has a heart for you. This week, Holy Week, would you take some time just to think about your life? Think about your choices. Think about your family. This Friday, this Friday as you're at work or whatever it is you're doing at nine o'clock is when Jesus goes on that Roman cross. As you're having lunch this Friday, he will have been on that cross for three hours. As you're moving into your afternoon, I don't know, maybe at three o'clock you take a break at work, he dies and he gives up the ghost and he did it for me and he did it for you. We're loved, amen? We're loved. So I just wanna encourage you this week, listen, out at the red desk, we have these two cards and whatever's left here after the service, we might as well throw them in the trash because there won't be anybody here to get them. And then next week, it'll be too late. Could I please encourage you to stop and pick up one of these or two or three or four, whatever? If everybody in this room invited somebody to church, said, hey, man, love for you to come to church. We're gonna celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. That's why we're having four services next week. That's why we're having two on Saturday. So we can get folks in here and tell them the good news of the gospel Amen. You know what the good news is? Daddy says, come on home. Amen. Daddy says, come on home. So please take a minute as you leave. Stop and pick up one of those. Pick a couple of them up. Take them to work this week. What if you prayed for somebody that you know, that you know needs Jesus? Maybe it's your job or a family member. And you say, Lord, give me an opportunity to invite them to Easter so we can reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we can be together in heaven for all of eternity. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your head and let me pray for you this morning? Father God, I want to thank you for this amazing week, the beginning of Holy Week, through Palm Sunday, through this week into Easter Sunday. Father, would you stir our hearts? Would you strengthen us? Would you encourage us? Would you allow us to pray for somebody else, to invite somebody else to church, that we could let them know about the good news of the love of God? Father, I'm so grateful for this amazing church and that you would let me be a part of it. Father, I'm so humble this morning that we can be in your house on Palm Sunday and we can seek your face and draw near to you. And you said as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. Father, I want to pray a blessing of grace, of life, of strength and encouragement over every person and every family in this service this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Would you all stand, please?